Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cranky Talk, a show for avgeeks and non-avgeeks alike. We tackle anything related to airlines and sometimes beyond. And this week, Dave, we're getting serious. We're going to talk about war. Yep. Uh, not... I, I, what? Well, I was just going to say, this is not something that uh, uh, either of us wanted to talk about, but, you know, events have kind of forced our hand. Uh, well, this is true. <laughs> and really, I think where we need to start with this is we have to ask the question. Oh, man. War. Huh. Good God, y'all. What is it good for? How did I know? <laughs> and do you know the answer, Dave? Uh, I believe the answer is absolutely nothing. Say it again! No. <laughs> <sighs> uh, right. War. Well, that's all the fun we're going to have today. That is uh, that is it. Uh, th- that is as much frivolity as is allowed on a podcast about uh, one nation invading another. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, War. Uh, Russia invaded Ukraine about two, three weeks ago. Um, and what is time anyway? Well, I should say that we're recording this on Tuesday, March 8th. And by the time this comes out, things might have already changed dramatically. Uh, who knows, uh, what'll happen, but, uh, here we'll just kind of go over what we know did happen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so Brett, what happened? <laughs> I don't know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, a lot has happened, Dave. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what we know is that, uh, you know, this has been building for a long time. And there already were aviation impacts here. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it actually, you could kind of go to, you know, what's been happening in Belarus where uh, they forced an airplane down because they wanted to pull someone off of it. Uh, forced it to land uh, when it was just flying over Belarus. And uh, they pulled someone off of it because they didn't like what they were saying. And uh, (laughs) that's really just a great win for freedom there. Uh, And then, you know, so that kind of made Belarus uh, an effective no-fly zone there for airlines. Uh, Then when the uh, war drums started beating for... uh, for Ukraine as Russia amassed troops on the border. Um, Airlines started uh, stopping flying there as well. And some airlines that had airplanes there, they they pulled them out and sent them to other places to try to protect them in the event of war. Uh, And then now we have war. We have Russians streaming into the country and uh, Ukrainians fighting back valiantly. But none of this is really great for commercial aviation. No. So I think I think what we want to talk about here are just to focus in on a couple things. So uh, you already mentioned some no-fly zone stuff. I think we should definitely talk about that. But uh, first, um, I want to talk about pre-sanctions. Uh, what were the immediate sort of um, uh, what was the immediate sort of corporate response to what was going on in Russia and Ukraine? What you know, how, how, how did we how did we start pre-sanctions? Well, so, you know, naturally, they, their risk departments take over at some point. So they stop right. flying over, near, through, uh, you know, that general area. Uh, and so that's just a basic precaution to, to do something like that. 
but then they started saying, all right, well, now are we going to still partner with these airlines? Uh, so Aeroflot is majority owned by the Russian state. Uh, there are other private entities like S7, uh, which is partnered with American. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it started becoming a question of, well, who who should I be friends with? Who should I not? And how much of a stink should I make about it? And I, I guess to back up first, one important thing, no U.S. airline flies to Ukraine or Russia or Belarus, for that matter. Uh, but uh, so there was no issue with the U.S. carrier, like having its airplane stuck somewhere or anything like that. Uh, it's more about how do we partner? And so the first one that I saw make a move was, um, was Delta. Uh, Delta ha- is a member of the Sky Team Alliance. Aeroflot has been a member of the Alliance for, I don't know, like 15 years. Uh, and so Delta and Aeroflot code shared with each other. And so Delta ended that and said, we're not going to code share with them anymore uh, for now, at least. <laughs> has minimal impact, right? I mean, for Aeroflot, it was people that would fly Aeroflot into the U.S. and then connect on Delta domestically. Uh, the Most of those people probably aren't allowed back into the U.S. right now anyway. So, you know, there's that. And then the other way, it would be people that would fly mostly, uh, you know, Delta to somewhere and then connect to Aeroflot to go into Russia and beyond Moscow, wherever it is. Uh, and that that's just not really happening either. So, So Delta did that. Um, but they hadn't really gone as far. I mean, this seems to be sort of Delta's default uh, mode of operation here because when uh, – remember when Saudi Arabia killed that journalist? Yes. Uh, Yeah, in Turkey, Khashoggi. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So at the time, Saudi is also a member of Sky Team. They're they're really uh, (laughs) – Can we call them a basket of deplorables? <laughs> uh, you can. It's not going to make uh, our one listener who complains about politics very happy. <laughs> I'm also not running for the presidency, so that's fine. Uh, it's not going to sink my candidacy. Uh, but but yeah, so Delta also there, they're like, well, we don't code share with Saudia. Um, so that seems to be their sort of standard for cooperation, or it did at the time. Uh, then, so what happened after that? So S7, which is private, so admittedly it's it's different um, than being state-owned, but it's still, you know, prominent Russian, and we know a lot of it's about optics anyway. Uh, (laughs) American is a member of One World with them, so is Alaska. Uh, They are not interlining with them, and they're also not interlining with Aeroflot, which isn't even in the alliance. Uh, So what that means is interline is the most basic form of cooperation, that you could issue a ticket that has the other airline on it, you can check bags through. Uh, you know, even if they don't really have deeper cooperation. So American and Alaska, they took that stand and said, we're just completely cutting ourselves off from these people at this point. Uh, And, you know, those were some of the early moves that we saw. Okay. So those were the corporate moves uh, pre-sanctions, or some of them were pre-sanctions. But uh, so Russia invades Ukraine over that first weekend um, as images started to trickle out uh, from Ukraine. um, European leaders, uh, you you could say that the appetite for sanctions started to ratchet up. um, And that's sort of when the first major sanctions started to hit the Russian economy. But uh, 
how does that sort of affect the aviation side? So, you know, we saw people establishing, uh, you know, no-fly zones. Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about that? Not really no-fly zones. Let's be clear, Dave. There is no official no-fly zone at the time of recording this. Correct. Uh, But, no, what what they did is they they started sanctioning – people and aircraft and flights that are that are coming out of russia yeah and so the uk was the first uh it went to um it went to the eu and canada they all did it and they had to be careful about how they do this they couldn't just say russian registered aircraft aircraft were blocked mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of the uh, oligarchs have their airplanes registered elsewhere uh, due to Russian regulations on things. And so there's really, you know, any any aircraft coming from Russia cannot uh, come into these countries, nor can they fly over these countries in their airspace. And, you know, people are blocked in these places. So they, they just started putting up all these walls. Um, and, and this was really interesting from an aviation perspective because not being able to fly through someone's airspace uh, that is uh, that, that creates some issues for for where you can actually fly. Yeah. Uh, and so the the U.S. had been uh, hesitant to join in there. And really, it probably wasn't that important anyway, just how the airspace is set up. Right. But the during the State of the Union, uh, President Biden announced that, you know, it's a it's a, it's a big action, or it looks like it on the surface. And uh, then, so now the same thing applies to the U.S. as well. Right. And so that's a big deal. I mean, if you're trying to fly from Russia anywhere west and you can't fly over the European Union, uh, you have very few options. You, you can fly way up north, like over the Arctic, and then come down uh, over the Atlantic and you know stay in international waters and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's been messy. But... Of course, these guys all um, retaliated on the Russian side, and so we can't use their airspace anyway now, um, and that also impacts uh, European and, and U.S.-based airlines. Right. Uh, makes things pretty difficult for uh, Finland, right? It, it <laughs> Poor Finnair. Uh, it's true. Now, now, here's... So European airspace being closed to the Russians... Uh, and then the Russians closing their airspace back to the Europeans, that has a big impact because most of that flying, the fastest way to go from Europe to North Asia is to go through Russian airspace. Uh, And the Russians have always been kind of difficult with that. They don't make it easy to necessarily get overflight rights. They're much less liberal uh, in in their... um, bilateral agreements and things like that. But uh, it was still the main route that airlines would take. And Finnair over in Finland there, you know, they've used Helsinki to be this great gateway to Asia for years. That's sort of their bread and butter. And now that's not a thing anymore. And to give you an example, it's really interesting. They've they've restarted some of their Asian flying, but uh, so they fly from Helsinki to Tokyo it used to take nine hours. Now they have to go the southern route. It takes thirteen hours, and so that just messes with everything, right? And changes the equation. If you're in Europe trying to get to Japan, there are now much quicker ways to go. 
right so you know this isn't an economics podcast but the economic <laughs> the 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 economic sanctions that the european union and that we have imposed on russia are meant to you know uh, isolate Russia and uh, put a chokehold on their economy. Uh, some of the aviation sanctions, you could say, are putting real physical li- limitations on where uh, where people in Russia can go, how people in Russia uh, can move around the world, and you know we don't know how long this conflict is going to last. Um, so putting these yeah. physical limitations on where Russians can go and how Russians can move, uh, you know, that could be something long-term that, uh, has some pretty wide-ranging impacts. Uh, yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, closing U.S. airspace is not a big issue because no, there aren't that many flights that need to go into U.S. airspace unless you're going to the U.S. I mean, right. Cancun was one that was an issue, but you know, whatever, that's, that's pretty minor. Uh, but you know, when you get the cumulative effect of all this stuff, that's where it starts being crazy. And it does have an impact beyond Russia too. I mean, look, yes, we have this already. Then we rolled into, uh, Boeing saying it was no longer going to be supporting, uh, Russian airlines, you know, their aircraft in Russia. So isolating them further. And if planes break, they're kind of going to have to figure out their own way around, uh, which is, is a big blow there. And then Sabre and Amadeus, big um, you know global distribution systems where people book through third parties, like if you go to an Expedia or through your corporate agency or anything like that. Um, they all said they were removing uh, the, uh, the Russian airlines from their systems as well. And that just, you know, Aeroflot now has said that they uh, are going to be a domestic airline. Uh, well, Plus Minsk, but that's a domestic airline. Uh, and so, <laughs> you know, that's that's it. They're pretty much isolated. There, there's nothing else they can do about that. Um, but when you do look beyond Russia, so for the U.S., it's not a huge impact. We talked about Europe to Asia, but there is some impact mm-hmm. in the U.S. Uh, flights over to uh, India are the ones that are are most hit. Uh, that they used to go way up over the pole, come down over Russia for the most part. Um, United's cut back a couple of their routes, one out of San Francisco, one out of Newark, uh, that they just don't think are viable right now uh, without having the Russian overflight. And uh, like Air Canada, I saw they've added a stop in Dublin on some of their India flights because it's just too difficult otherwise to get that airplane up and around and through without going over Russia. Yeah. Um, so there are some impacts beyond, but the vast majority of these impacts uh, for these sanctions, at least so far, uh, are against the Russians uh, and hurt the Russians more. Right. Um, yeah. So let's talk about some things that uh, are happening or happened today and happened very recently. So uh, mainly what I want to talk about here is oil. So what is the we're already seeing some of this trickle down, right? The, the, the price of the price of oil uh, going way, way up. Uh, some airlines are starting to cut back flights. Is that something that's going to happen uh, more going forward, do we think? All, all of the schedule volatility? Yeah, so we're just starting to see the impacts of this. Oil has obviously been spiking. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I just filled up, I think it was 5.29 a gallon, which seemed pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah, considering. Out here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so the airlines, you know, they face similar spikes in, in oil prices. Um, and that's just because, you know, we have, uh, there, I mean, initially it's because of just general concern. Russia's a big producer, exporter, not necessarily to the U.S., but to other places. And so, you know, if this disrupts the supply, people start freaking out. Uh, and then today, uh, when the U.S. announced that we're banning the import of Russian oil, which, again, is not a huge impact, but it is an impact. Uh, and especially, um, you know, if, if uh, Europe follows along and, and maybe they already have by the time you're listening to this. Uh, so but yeah, so the airlines are now looking at this saying, OK, what do we do? And Alaska uh, was one of the first ones. It's the first one I've seen to, to really address it. They put out a statement with the SEC. And they said that for the first quarter, what is it here? They, they had thought their fuel costs would be $2.45 to two fifty a gallon. And now they expect it to be two sixty to two sixty five, which is crazy because the first quarter is already two thirds over, mm-hmm. and uh, they, you know they're still saying, "Wow, okay, it's gone through the roof here." Yeah. Uh, but because of that, uh, they are altering their capacity. They're going to cut what they say three to five percent uh, in the first half of the year, and hopefully it'll be back to normal in the second half of the year as as summer dawns and beyond. But that's, you know, assuming that oil moderates again. Right. The airlines don't have much of a choice. In the short term, they can't just cancel flights. They've set the schedules. They've done everything. But they can't – they can in the mid to longer term cancel more flights. Right. And uh, they may very well do that, especially through the spring where, you know, it might be a little easier to justify it. So Right. So if this drags on, you know – maybe maybe we'll see some impact on summer travel we could you never know but i mean demand is still so strong this is what's so so weird right like the, the so the last time we had the oil spike was right around the great recession so you have oil spiking but you also have demand sinking mm-hmm. and right now demand is just through the roof mm-hmm. like people want to travel they want to get on airplanes they want to do this and so it's very difficult to say what will actually happen this summer if they think that they can still you know get that demand well right right i mean this tracks with data that with the data that's out there the personal savings went up during during the pandemic people are eager to spend money uh on services you know air travel or vacation travel those are services that people are eager to go spend money on so yeah the demand is there uh so we'll see yeah that's that's the real question so you know i think the direct impacts hurt uh, of everything it hurts the russians more and that's the goal of right. doing this but the indirect impacts are are pretty large in the west especially with the price of oil that's yes. the biggest issue so we'll see what opec can do or what others can do to try and moderate the impact but there was no question that this was going to be it and it's just something that uh we, we kind of just need to suck it up and say hey we, we have to put the squeeze on here yep. uh 
see what happens. Yep. And right. And, you know, economics and, uh, you know, capitalism are going to have their say in this, uh, as economics does in every issue around the world. Uh, so we'll see how long people's appetite in the, in the West for some of this stuff, uh, lasts. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, you know, especially with inflation numbers where they are right? mm-hmm. I think, and you know it's politically expedient to just jump on this and, yes. and look quite two-faced in the process right for that matter but <laughs> uh no no doubt in my mind that you know some people will start protesting and freaking out and saying you know we need oil down and who cares if russia wants to take over the world i don't care give me my cheap gas right uh but you know Maybe instead this will just get more electric vehicles and airplanes out there. Well, that's the right. That's, you know, people are trying to use this moment as a wake up call to say, you know, hey, maybe we should in earnest start, you know, really, really investing in these alternative fuel technologies and not be so dependent on oil, foreign oil, domestic, like any oil, right? Not be so dependent on it. So we'll see. The, The last time oil spiked like this, I was in high school um jesus (laughs) right uh and i do remember the deep anxiety that uh that just comes with that direct correlation of the it's it's a it's a billboard for how people are doing when they drive by and they see those gas prices so high um it's a it's it's a really easy way to tap into people's anxiety so you know uh we'll see (laughs) We will see. In the meantime, airlines will keep flying, just not through three countries. Right. Probably not North Korea either. Correct. Not through North Korea. We could add a couple more, but it's (laughs) All right. Thank you for turning in to Cranky Talk. We'll be back with more deep dives and helpful tips for these turbulent times. If you would like to sponsor the podcast, uh, send us an email at advertise at crankyflyer.com. And remember to leave us a five-star rating anywhere you can review podcasts. I think you can do it on Spotify now. You can do it on Apple. Do it on all of them. I will say I saw a five-star rating on a bathroom wall. Excellent. Excellent. Somebody really took that to heart. That's really going to help move the algorithm for us. I don't know, man. You don't know how many people use that bathroom. (laughs) Maybe if they started doing it on airplane labs, that would help. (laughs) Yes. uh, Graffiti, your nearest airplane lavatory with a five-star rating for this podcast. That is uh, uh, something that we endorse collectively, the both of us. I don't don't remember (laughs) saying that. But as long as you don't smoke in the lab, you're fine. Yeah, we endorse uh, airplane vandalism. No. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna get a review now dave encourages vandalism that hooligan uh, oh and i do want to say um you know this is a weird episode to be mentioning this but uh it's the first one since it happened uh, i want to thank everybody uh who listens to the podcast who was also at the cnas it was really really nice to meet some of you um to put a face to some of the listeners uh we really appreciate the uh positive largely positive comments we got from everybody um thank you for showing up that was that was really special uh it was but listen seriously please do not give dave this big of a head he does not need this (laughs) uh yes thank you to the uh specifically to the fans of dave um (laughs) next year we're gonna get t-shirts made i promise 
No. I, <laughs> no one wants that t-shirt, Dave. Some people might. Some people really? might. Anyway. Dave Army. <laughs> Hey, the Dave, right. the Dave Army is strong. Okay. Well, maybe you should go over to Ukraine and help out then. <laughs> and that's going to do it for the Cranky Talk podcast this week. We'll see you guys uh, next time to talk about my experience on Spirit Airlines. Oh, uh, yeah. It's going to be a fun one. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>